Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air, online, both. 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. If you are a regular listener, and, and even if you're not, listen in, hear my explanation. When you go to that, when you, when you type in or whatever you do, key in that address and show up at it. It's, by the way, it's the homepage to our, uh, uh, to our website. Uh, you will first see a nice picture of a microphone that I'm talking on, and then immediately thereafter, just down the page, you'll see two links. The first is to all of our podcasts. Well, all. The last, I imagine the last 50 in sort of reverse time order. So this show, at least temporarily, will be the first show on top of the, uh, the podcast feed. The next link is something called our radio loop, <clears throat> and that, as the words suggest, is a version of this, the very same show that you find on the podcast, but running in a loop on a computer here in the studio, and basically when you hit that link, you pick up this show wherever in the loop it happens to be. Give yourself a little rush of analog memory. You get to experience the show the way you may have, who knows how long ago. A number of people enjoy this particular way of doing it, and we're keeping it available for you. So either way, uh, enjoy it, join with us, and this being Friday, I am also very pleased to say that, that David Bach will be joining us during our uh, second segment in this morning's show. Glad to have you aboard. Um, the, last, the last show we did, and by the way, I, I, I had a, uh, a, a lovely interview on the last show, uh, I, I would hope if uh, any, anyone who had the opportunity uh, might go back and listen to my interview with Dwight Dacknowitz, who was uh, the president of Tarrytown Honda, here, a local business. I, I was mentioning uh, that we are going to try doing more and more shows. We've done politicians, local politicians. Um, and, and we're going to start doing more in the way of local business people. Basically, sort of a walk in America kind of concept. See what's going on. Kind of experience where we are and what might be changing or not changing, for the good or not so good, on a local level. Uh, with that in mind, I, 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 with a little sadness here, I, I, one of our interviewees, uh, a couple of different shows I think I did with Reggie Lafayette, who was the head of the DNC here in, in, uh, in Westchester County. He passed away recently. And uh, our condolences to uh, his family and friends uh, on his passing. Uh, that was a fun interview. Was, this has got to be at least three or four years back now. But a fascinating view into local politics. Well, we're doing it with local uh, key businesses here in the area that basically affect people's lives and, and trying to reflect how people feel based on what they are, what they do, who they associate and affiliate with, what their thoughts are, what drives them to do their business, the way they do it. 
uh, hopefully and, and invariably, there's a lot more than just pure politics involved here. It's, um, it, it reminds us that our politics are not the bottom, bottom line one would hope to our lives, although we've been driven to imagine that, or at least a lot of us have been driven to imagine that. There's a hell of a lot more to life, folks, than politics. Um, the other side of that, of course, you can argue that all of life is uh, some, something of a political calculation and a political performance, dare I say, but in, in terms of the strict notion of politics as we think about it in America, there's a lot more to us than that. And focusing on it, as we're attempting to do now, uh, is, it takes us beyond differences, at least that's the idea, to understand what we can associate with, what, what we can affiliate with, what we understand and how we understand our neighbors and the people who we depend on to uh, make our lives uh, interesting and, and, uh, and con more convenient, certainly, here within our local area. So expect more of that as time goes on. Yesterday, um, there was an interesting hearing in the House. Uh, and... and, and the more I look at it, um, uh, the more I'm, I'm having, uh, the more I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at the very fact that A, this, the committee that had the hearing exists. It's the Committee on the Weaponization of Government. You've heard about this. This was a, this was a big promise uh, being made by the, uh, by the Republicans, uh, by many of them, during the, pro the campaign, the 2022 uh, midterm campaign, that we are going to investigate and investigate, and Hunter Biden's name came up, and Hillary Clinton's name came up, and all sorts of things, and the weapon is, and the, and the attacks on the conservatives by the Justice Department and the, and, and the FBI, and, and on and on and on, a grievance, just this, this dung heap of grievance. Uh, and yesterday, the dung heap uh, basically uh, came to life. It basically, sh and it showed precisely what it's all about. Uh, of all people, you know, crazy Ron Johnson, who can't afford a, a sports coat or whatever, you know, he should be wearing. He's, I guess he's, he, 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 he deems himself looking more every man and working man by not having a jacket ever. I took it off. I left it off. It's, I suppose he imagines this is his, um, uh, is sort of his, uh, his, uh, the equivalent of a nom de plume. It's, it's his, it's his costume. It's his, uh, uh his look. Uh, he went like so many of the Republicans on this committee, started knocking and going after Hunter Biden, started talking about the Justice Department, started talking about the IRS basically going, everybody was going after conservatives, except that there wasn't a single bloody credible witness. Everybody on the panel was some politician and, and, any, and I, I think if they had any witnesses, it was just someone claiming there was a problem. It was, it was a bitching session. It, it, was, it was a grievance uh, mound. But unlike, and, 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 the perfect, and the perfect counterpoint to this was the January 6th investigation committee, where the problems 
uh, all involving Donald Trump and the insurrection that he led against the government he was sworn to uphold. Uh, he uh, and, and what he did and what the people around him did was brought to light by witnesses who, in fact, were on the inside of the process. People who either work for Trump or basically who were themselves Republicans who had something to do with the events of January 6th. Not, 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 some, not some bomb throwers, not people who were bitching and moaning, but people who actually were for real, people who were part of what had happened, who saw the light in many cases, who understood the wrongness of what was going on, but who came from the other side, as it were. If, if you were to have the equivalent process happening yesterday, what, what the Republicans would have done would have been to call Democratic witnesses who basically were willing to say, well, you know, I was on the inside of this committee, I was here, I was doing this, uh, when the Democrats had the Congress, and by God, here's what they were doing, and I know because I've been on the inside of the Department of Justice, and I know that the FBI and the Department of Justice is specifically geared, blah, blah, blah. Nothing of the sort happened yesterday. It was simply a standard laundry list. And the laundry list sounded remarkably like the conspiracy theory crap that normally fills the blogosphere and the internet. And it's the stuff that gets eaten and consumed whole. And it has, and it's what flavors the Kool Aid or what the Kool-Aid flavors, so that the, the, the basest of the base, the most, the most ardent uh, conspiracy theorists, the, the most easily led people there, this is, it was the type of crap that would have been pleasing to them, not, not to someone who would be able to say, well, you know, geez, I see they brought, in, they brought in Democrats who were willing to say that this was going on within the department, that it was a Democratic plot, that Democrats were absolutely involved in, in basically making uh, conservatives scapegoats and there was an undue uh, effort to go after conservatives. Nothing of the sort. Perhaps the... To me, at least, the, the, the most interesting part of the hearing was watching Jamie Raskin with a bandana around his head. He's losing hair. He's in the middle of, he's in the middle of uh, I guess, chemo right now. He's, ha he has, he's having chemo treatments for a cancer. Uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting his, his thought process or his fieriness. But they had him on the committee, and he basically just went right back at the Ron Johnson types and all of those, saying that you're full of it, that the very notion that the Justice Department is after you, it's the antithesis of that, the whole, no look, look, look who was involved in basically taking Hillary Clinton down when basically she, many people thought that she had the election. Look at who basically uh, is involved, and he just, he went, he went through a laundry list of things that completely undermined the conspiracy theories 
that it seemed this particular committee was was beginning to rev itself up to and began, you know, for foreshadowing, mainly Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. Now, I don't know who the hell cares at this point about Hunter Biden besides the New York Post and a real, real diehard red meat base of, uh, of Republican conspiracy type, uh, you know, monger types who basically live off of this stuff and really feel that it's the most important thing to them to find that there is something going on with Hunter Biden. There has been no connection, and there have been investigations of this relative to Joe Biden himself about this. The Hunter Biden stuff, everybody knows what was happening with a guy who had a major drug problem, who was attempting to assert himself, and basically anything that is going to happen to him will happen through valid legal sources. Although, of course, I suppose the Republicans would argue that nothing the Justice Department does could be valid. Uh, at this stage in the game. I, they, they might bolster that opinion by saying, look at that, it hasn't indicted Donald yet, so how could it be a valid Justice Department? Although something tells me that they probably wouldn't use that as a basis for doing it. But, but having, you know, preached the notion of going into and actually even name, just the very naming of a, of a committee the weaponization of the government it just tells you, just in the name of the committee, you basically are A, concluding that there is a weaponization and obviously concluding that the weaponization is being directed at the committee. Well, the committee, by its very name, is weaponizing the Congress. I mean, th th this is the insanity of this. It, it, it was a it was a conspiracy theory notion. It was a it was a joke to a lot of people, and yet because there is no other no other glue holding the Republican Party together, suddenly they find themselves actually having to follow through with this notion that we have to investigate stuff that is not real, it doesn't, it doesn't bear up under the most minimal scrutiny, all we can do is keep shouting our conspiracy theories again and again and again. We're, it's clear if you were going to have major key powerful witnesses to actually bolster the reality of this, you would have brought them out yesterday. You would have come out of the box with a, with a big witness. There ain't no there there. All they're going to be able to do is jump up and down and shout, which does nothing but gives the Jamie Raskins on the committee the opportunity to lay out fact pattern after fact pattern after fact pattern that that instantly undercuts the argument of weaponization, or if anything, shows that it's precisely the opposite of what the Republicans, the Republicans, I, I have to call them that on this committee, are attempting to present by just simply pounding the table and hoping the base will say, good boy, we'll vote for you again, or at least send you some money. It's it's really fascinating to to watch um, Joe Biden coming off the State of the Union address, and and he did an amazing he at the State of the Union, 
Uh, he, he, all that booing and yelling and Marjorie Taylor Greene and her white fluffy, whatever the hell she was wearing. She looked like she'd killed something recently and was wearing it. Uh, and, and, and basically uh, was, uh, you know, you lie, you lie about uh, wanting to sunset Medicare. And Joe just leaned on the podium and was enjoying himself. And then yesterday in Florida, goes down to Florida, basically shows up on Rick Scott's territory and calls him out by name and says, Rick, by the way, you're the one who wants to sunset all government programs every five years. That includes Medicare and Medicaid and have to revote them and start them over from scratch every five years. Rick, do you realize, you're abs you realize that you are a senator in a state with the largest elderly population by percentage in the entire union, all retirees? You realize that this is probably the dumbest thing in the world. No sooner does Biden say this than uh, you, you have Mitch McConnell uh, making a statement in the Senate saying that, well, this, this was a Rick Scott plan. It's, it's, it's not the Republican. Please understand this. It's, it's, it's not the Republican plan. We have no intention whatsoever. And, and, the, and, and whoever was interviewing him said, uh, uh, Senator, does this have anything to do with the fact that Rick Scott um, was uh, challenging you for the leadership of the of the Senate as a Senate majority as as the as the uh, the, the the leader of the minority within the Senate, uh, and of, of course not naturally. What what other response do you expect? And he just goes on again to distance and distance and distance themselves, and yet you go in and you look at what Scott has said, and Scott return Scott puts out. Oh, this is hilarious. Scott puts out a tweet. I happened to see this, and some, some network had this story saying, I, I've never said anything like that, and then goes on to say, but I said that all government programs should be shut down after five years and, and voted on. He literally contradicted himself in his own tweet within one or two tweets, or, and then said, I, I, I'm ready to debate you, Joe, anytime, or I'm ready to debate you, Mr. President, I think, anytime on this issue. And I mean, of course, it's, it, the Republicans have put themselves in a position where what, was, what is anticipated of them is little to nothing of substance. They are totally, completely focused on that minimal, that, that, that smallest component of their base that can be depended on to be out in the primaries, that can be depended on to, to fundraise and throw money at them, while the majority of the party, it would seem, it would seem, is bracing itself for the probability of more significant substantial losses coming up when we get to 2024. They are, they are just basically telegraphing the message that we have nothing, please somehow get us out of this. They are setting themselves up to almost automatically allow a Trump run uh, the polls are all over the place on this, but if they keep going in the direction they're going and everybody is racing for the bottom simultaneously, well, Donald will always get to the bottom before anyone else, and he will be able to put first dibs on that base, on the, on the, on the, uh, 
on the primary voting base. He basically wrote the playbook on that. But if he is, the, if he winds up once again being the, uh, the nominee of the party for president in 2024, I, I think it's pretty obvious to anyone, I don't care where you are on the spectrum, unless you are a Kool-Aid, you know, a swigging uh, Looney Tune, and there's plenty of them out there apparently, anyone with any brains within the party knows that it's a loser. It's an, it's an absolute positive loser. The one thing that Donald would have going for him, though, I must say, at this point anyway, is the fact that uh, he's walking free. And we are, and, and we've, we've talked about this any number of times in, in recent weeks, but as, as time goes on here, the fact that we've had all of these convictions of the lower level people, the people who participated, who actually physically stormed the Capitol. Donald wanted to be one of them. His Secret Service detail finally talked him out, or someone talked, you know, uh, Cassie Hutchinson talked him out of it. Someone somehow talked him out of it, or, or wouldn't let him go or something. If you, if you, if you listen to the Cassie Hutchinson story, uh, he basically had his hand, he tried to reach over onto the wheel and move the car, steer the car towards the Capitol building. Someone moved his hand away. It got, it got ugly, if you believe this. I, mean, I, I can easily believe it, given, given the nut job that, that Trump is and, and the way his brain works on these things and his incapacity to tolerate anything but do what I do. Otherwise, well, there's a threat and he'll do something about it. But if the fact that this man is even talking about running for president, much less actually doing weak but still doing campaign stops at this point, says that the leader, that what everyone knows, the leader of an insurrection who was president of the United States, who was basically defying everything about his oath of office, who basically was uh, just disgracing everything about the presidency, a guy who has at least four, maybe as many as five or six indictments coming down on him and can be hit with any one of them, is still walking free and is able to go out there and present himself in the Republican Party as the only viable candidate because the likelihood is the way things are set up right now and the way Republicans are all racing towards, the way the vortex is sucking everybody down, Donald will get to the bottom before any of them and he will lay claim to the base that will basically, if the rules haven't changed and they haven't relative to how primary votes are counted, he could very reasonably wind up being the nominee of the party again as all of this is coming down on him. Just the image, you see, that this guy is capable of doing this, that the Justice Department is incapable of coming after him or afraid that Merrick Garland is too timid to pull the switch. The fact that everybody is waiting for someone else, all the different investigations are waiting from some waiting for someone else's investigation to be the, the first to basically pull an indictment out of the hat when it's all lined up there, where the American people have watched this all this time. And yes, it's the president, a former president. Yes, it's precedent setting and all all that, but it is also a reaffirmation of the fact that 
Well, as far as the as far as the House Committee on Weaponization is concerned, it really makes the opposite point of what they're going for, namely that Donald is being given special treatment, much far from actually being the object of some kind of a witch hunt. He is being spared. He's walking around. His people are looking at him and saying, damn, the man really is Teflon. Wow, you think Ronnie Reagan was Teflon? Look at this guy over here. They can't touch him. And everybody knows what he did. Even his most ardent supporters know. Even if they want to be nuts and believe that the guy actually got elected, they know that he's done wrong things. And I'll tell you something else. When he is finally indicted, they'll say, well... Look at how far he was able to go before someone finally had the guts to do it. He'll beat them. He'll beat them because no one ever takes Trump down. And that'll go for a while until, of course, he gets convicted. And naturally, Trump uses the fact that he's walking free and the, either the implication or the direct statement that if you ever even try to basically indict me, there's going to be all kinds of hell's going to break loose. There may be some stuff. There may be some crazies out there. But you can't stop the American justice system and you can't be so timid that you can't let anything go forward because of the possibility that, you know, at some point the Justice Department has to accept the fact that the conservative approach to putting together a case, and that's what they're doing right now, this is being overshadowed or over with the value of doing it by the book and looking for solace and comfort and looking for some way to protect itself by doing it by the book is not really working to their benefit. That the perception of the American people, Republicans and Democrats alike, is that Donald is above the law. And unless, unless, Somebody has, grows a, a pair, a normal-sized pair, not a massive pair, just looks at the facts and says, you know, we really can't let this go any further, or certainly not much further. The guy has to be indicted. The longer this goes, the closer we get to the 2024 election, the, the more complicated this process is going to become. Somebody pull the switch. Somebody drop the other shoe already. For God's sake, do what everybody knows is right. Even the most, the most ardent Trump supporters love him because he's able to get away with. Well, let, let the system do what everybody expects it to do. Be against Donald. If that's the way they want to see it, don't worry. They're going to, Donald will find a way to basically, and he'll BS and he'll shoot his mouth off depending on, on what, what, what kind of, uh, there, there could be some conditions with the indictment. They may shut him up. I don't know. They did that with Roger Stone. He wasn't able to talk about what was going on during the course of the trial. You know that there'll be a lot more allowances made for Donald, just the very fact and how they've dealt with him up to this time. The notion that the, all of a sudden they'd be more, they'd be harder on him as an indicted defendant than they were, let's say, on a Roger Stone, just doesn't 
hold up for me right now. But you never know. You, you don't know how uh, how whatever federal department would work. You don't know how New York State would handle this. You don't know how uh, the state of Georgia, how Fulton County would handle this once he's indicted. You don't know. Will, will there be a, an effort to be even harder on him because everybody's been perceived as being so easy? Will it, will, will it work in the opposite direction? I don't know. But the notion that we cannot do anything to this guy for fear of the wacko base, for fear of, uh, you know, of, of some white supremacist groups, of fear, you can't. These people honestly expect there to be confrontation, to be conflict. They don't really, I think, in their heart of hearts, expect him to skate past this forever and ever. That's Donald's whole image is fighting back, usually punching down, but fighting back. Go ahead, put him in a position to have to fight back. That's fine. And I think, I, I mean, again, you, I'm, I'm by no means guaranteeing that there won't be some people uh, in some corner of the country who will not do something stupid and illegal to sort of mark the moment when an indictment finally comes down. But I don't think it'll be quite as awful as a lot of people think. I think a lot of people will almost relish, a lot of people in that crazy base will relish the notion of Donald fighting him off, fighting it back, basically pushing, basically running the, th he's used the legal system forever. Why shouldn't he continue to use it now? Why should he not be in a position to defend himself and to basically really stick it to them? Then, of course, well, of course, you know, uh, uh, there, this really was a, a witch hunt, et cetera, et cetera. And that goes back to the, another point, basically, that no one wants to go after this guy unless they have the tightest case in the world. Does anyone in their right mind believe right now that there aren't at least four or five tightest cases in the world out there? It's, we, there are probably tighter cases than any, than any prosecutor has had against any defendant in a very, very long time, all of them pointing directly at Donald and his guilt. So the Republicans will go on with their uh, weaponization of the government subcommittee. The Democrats, every time the committee meets, will be given an opportunity to make brilliant rebuttals of the stupidity that they'll co the, the, the Democrats will go with facts. The Republicans will go with, with venom and, and anger. They will continue to appeal to a smaller and smaller base. Anyone who would happen to run across the hearing who basically might not be convinced, someone in the middle, that's those are the people, the swing voters, will probably, I would say, and, and this is a, an assumption, would be more swayed by the logical and reasonable and fact-based arguments of the Democrats. But, but the Republicans are basically in a race to the bottom. They are all in the vortex. They're all basically swimming down towards the bottom of the drain. This is what it's all about. They put themselves in this position, and there's no place to go but to basically go forward with uh, the weaponization committee and, uh, and, and expect that you will get pushback from Democrats constantly on this. There's no place else for them to go. And it's, it's kind of... 
It's sad, <laughs> but, but it, it's the nature of the beast. We know what they have. They've got nothing. They know what the Democrats have. We know they're stuck doing what they're doing. Now, how long do they want to keep this up, and how much do they want to hobble themselves prior to the 2024 election? Uh, time will only tell on this. I can only hope that uh, one of the criminal prosecution sources, one of the, at least the four, maybe as many as five or six, someone will finally just pull the switch, drop the shoe, and indict this guy already. You don't want to let this go much further. You really don't. It's, it's an unhealthy thing. For, for the sake of the country, for the sake of, of, if not the rule of law, the rule of sanity, the notion that we are not completely out of our minds, the truly, uh, the, the, a true, uh, you know, a d disaffirmation of the notion that there is a weaponization, even if the weaponization is the opposite of what the committee is talking about. For God's sake, indict the guy already and, and have it out. Have it out with him. Let's see where that goes. We're, we're, we, we need to get that process going. Please, Merritt, do not be afraid. Please, uh, uh, District Attorney of, 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 uh, in Atlanta, uh, please do not be afraid. No one, New York State, don't be afraid. Oh, uh, Alvin Bragg, for God's sake. Uh, well, you know, now there's talk that uh, the, the entire Stormy Daniels thing has come back to light. Michael Cohen um, basically has been back at Alvin Bragg's office now twice, and suddenly Bragg seems to uh, have this incredible need to move th that criminal case forward. You've got all the facts, folks. Please, you know... Uh, do the right thing. Give, give America a break. Make reality first, and then, and, and, and in the process, the rule of law paramount in this situation. Uh, let's get past the fantasies. Let's get past the, the BS that goes with having a House uh, Weaponization of Government Investigation Committee. Enough of that. Make reality rear its Perhaps ugly, but certainly familiar and and uh, equanim you know equitable head, if it will, if you will, do the right thing, indict the sob, and let the chips fall where they may. Ah. <laughs> but how do you really feel about this, Richard? Uh, okay, um, we're going to take a break, and 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 when we get back, of course, uh, David is going to be here. David Bach will give us his weekly view on all sorts of things that are on his radar. And uh, I encourage you to stick around. In, fa in fact, the way I'll do that, I'll, 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 I'll do something nice for you, please. If you'll stick around and stay for David, not that I really have to do this, because I think uh, a lot of you are going to do this one way or the other, but, but just to make sure you'll stay with us. He here's what I'll trade you. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Enough of that. Uh, it's Friday. You know that, and the other part of it you know equally well. David, what's on your mind? Uh, well, it's decent amount, so let's uh, let's talk about it. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at new. And that's a bad day for right now. Um, okay, so there's like three major things that happened uh, recently. We have the um, State of the Union, and then we have the, the two big opening salvos of the Republican House and their committees. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. also have Mike Pence being te- uh, subpoenaed to testify for before Jack Smith, and uh, Donald Trump called Ron DeSantis a groomer. So, you know, <laughs> normal shit. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, first off, the state of the union. It's fine. It like look, we know legislation isn't gonna pass. Um it is important that he did once again point out that the only Republican policy point from the Senate called for the end of Social Security and Medicare. This exactly. is not this is not news to people. This was a thing that I have covered for over a year. I'm relatively certain I have brought it up on more than one occasion on this show. You bet. You bet you have. And it is just objectively funny over and over again that they made Rick Scott in charge of the getting senators elected and then gave the man 
who oversaw the largest Medicare fraud in history, all of their money, and were surprised it didn't go well. <laughs> that that's that's a good that's a very uh, that's a very concise and uh, exceedingly accurate summation of how it went down. That's exactly right. I, I, I'm fascinated that Scott, uh, after, after, uh, after Joe Biden called him out during a, a stop in Florida yesterday, Scott got on and, and started tweeting or whatever he did and said, this is a total lie, Biden's lying, saying that you know I ever said anything about getting rid of Medicare. And he comes back and says, "I don't know if you saw this. It was I, I caught it on one of the one of the feeds someplace." Scott's twit, tweet, twit. That's close enough. Says, "I said that I wanted to sunset all federal programs after five years, <laughs> but I never said anything about Medicare and Medicaid." And I'm sitting there, and you want to start hitting yourself in the head. And then on top of that, uh, you probably caught this. Mitch McConnell went out of his way like I've never seen Mitch McConnell go out of his way during a response to some uh, some reporter to just absolutely bury Rick Scott and say, it's a Rick Scott program, it's blah, blah, blah. And he went so far as to say he's going to have problems with re-election in Florida for saying something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if you ran across that at all. I did. Now, I think there's a couple of reasons for this. One, uh, Rick Scott is bad, was bad at his job getting people elected. Yeah. Um, two, Mitch McConnell was bad at Rick Scott for releasing this plan and definitely made it harder for Republicans to get elected because their plan, which they successfully ran in the House, was run on zero solutions, just just catchphrases. Yeah. Um, and three, I don't know whether this came to a vote, but Scott publicly said he would challenge... McConnell for leadership. That's right. That's right. He did. And that's why Rick Scott and uh, Mike Lee are no longer on their committees. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about that. Funny thing about how, how, how the, and, and I believe, again, in watching that interview that McConnell did, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the reporter said, by the way, this, does any of this have to do with the fact that uh, Rick Scott challenged you for leadership? Oh, no, absolutely not, naturally, what you expect McConnell or probably anyone else to say under those circumstances. But there's no two ways about it what the, what the consequences are. And I've never heard, I, I must say, I've never heard McConnell say something as severe as this is going to make it difficult difficult for him to run for his re-election or words to that effect that is absolutely an all-time first for my to my ears for mitch mcconnell and says more than anything could say to me and tells me just how worried these people are about where this is all going because they're all just they're all just running around the edge of the drain and they're all racing to the bottom right now into the vortex they're, they have well, nowhere to go i think it depends on a couple of things i think he'll probably win re-election mostly because florida is pretty red and two because the florida democratic party is like just as clue is like one of the worst in the country and it's it's almost as poorly run as the new york democratic party oh dear god um which i mean those two states essentially lost on the house so um although there is talk that sean patrick maloney might be 
uh, placed as the where is it? Um, the labor secretary when Mark, Mark yes. Walsh leaves, Ma Marty Walsh, because he, yeah, yeah, nothing says failing upwards like losing the house and your own election and then being placed in charge of labor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would. That's that's pretty incredible. Um, oh, we got a new George Santos bit, which was pretty cool because it's been quiet for a while. Um, and then well, let's talk about these committees. So the two ones were the the oversight committee, which is like the most powerful one. It's basically where you get your your, your attack dogs. You put the uh, they get the most viral clips, right. um, things like that. Right. And then we have the first weaponization um, meeting. Now, the oversight committee. I cannot stress this enough. When they're talking about censorship for Hunter Biden's laptop, hmm. the literal thing that they continue to argue about on Twitter, this is what they use the Twitter files for, is pictures of Hunter Biden's penis. The yeah. thing that they're arguing for is to be able to look at Hunter Biden's penis. This is not, this is not even like being sarcastic. The direct links that Byron Donald's asked the uh, Twitter representative about are all Hunter Biden's penis. Geez, someone, someone there must be very interested. Yeah, yeah. The entire committee is deciding who gets that, you, that we, the American people, should have the right to be able to look at revenge porn of Hunter Biden's penis. And that will somehow hurt Joe Biden. Well, it, that makes as much sense as having a uh, as a going after Hunter Biden at this point, and B as much sense as having a uh, a weaponization of a government uh, subcommittee. I mean, it, it, this is all just grievance and BS, and it's playing to the lowest, 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 lowest possible denominator of the base, and it's turning a lot of otherwise uh, potential supporters off. Certainly, independents. I, I can't imagine. And, you know how how long you can put up with this crap, but you know, it's early. <laughs> it's early. It's early in the game for this particular session of Congress. There, it's amazing how close they are to the bottom of the drain already. Right, because they have zero policy points. They do not have. It's all grievances. It's all revenge policy. Yeah. That this point we're rolling out and things have gone this badly for them. That Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's who. I want to remind you, he is a white nationalist, as is Paul Gosar. Yeah. Because, and this is the timeline of events, it, uh, in 2020, that CPAC, or APAC, Paul Gosar spoke next to Nick, Nick Fuentes. People got mad at it, because I don't know if he was supposed to be there, or, or people realized he was going to be there. Um, Nick Fuentes is a white nationalist. Yeah, yeah. The year later... Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke at the same event, and her response is, I don't, I don't know who he is. I don't support his views, except this the same thing had happened a year before. Follow that a year later with Donald Trump inviting him to dinner. Right, exactly. The, the best thing is Marjorie Taylor Greene is, is just a stupid person. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like for whatever power she has got, the fact that she's the 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 heart and soul of this MAGA movement, she's the perfect encapsulation of it. Yeah, she was talking to 
I don't even remember who it was. It might have been somebody overseeing PPE uh, fraud, be, which, you know, to be fair, there was a lot. But it wasn't from, like, regular people. It was from, like, the Tom Brady and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was asking him about, like, COVID funds being used for uh, critical race theory, which hmm. is the Chris Rufo myth. Like, the critical race theory is a thing. It is a uh, it's a college level law course that that they teach talking about how race affects law. Right. Uh, uh, and then they argue that parts of it are distilled down to into like diversity and inclusion and equity uh, stuff in schools. But again, this this is it's been a year since I've argued. The same point remains: is rocket science is only taught at a higher level too, and it's distilled down into basic math for children as well. This is an incredibly stupid argument. Um, yeah, yeah. The uh, she was asking about that, and he's like, "As far as I know, I don't, I don't think so." And she's like, "Well, sir, one school in Ohio got five billion dollars in federal funding." We're like, "What? One school got five billion dollars? There's no school in America that got five billion dollars in federal funding to do critical race theory or drag queen story hour like that. This is just like the she's just." getting clowned on and then for their weaponization hearing they started talking about so they they had their um, they had their their panels john turley it was chuck grassley it was ron johnson it was tulsi gabbard you know left-wing democratic presidential candidate and former and and current part-time host of the tucker carlson show tulsi gabbard yep yep they were talking about it we had chuck grassley because he's nine million years old uh misreading his notes about who's actually a Russian spy or, or which spy is who um, based on the Steele dossier. We have Ron Johnson doing more anti-COVID stuff. And then we have Tulsi Gabbard talking about like nonsense. And John Turley's was the best one because he didn't have any uh, like special insight to this. He was just a dude who they, they picked because he he's like a, a famous name for them. Like, he, he did they were like using the Twitter files. And the point of this all is, is the argument they're making is the government weapon was weaponized in 2020 in the election, except they never, this is, this is why their they disconnect makes no sense. They never talk about who was actually the government at the time, a thing that their quote unquote Twitter files already pointed out was a thing that they did was that the Donald Trump administration existed in 2020. The Donald Trump administration reached out to Twitter to remove things, and that the things that we they wanted them to remove, as far as we know, aren't revenge porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, if, I, if I were running the, the weaponization committee and I wanted to basically, you know, start things off with a bang, I would... If I basically wanted to maybe differentiate myself or maybe make myself similar to, for impact purposes, what happened with the January 6th committee that preceded it, I, I probably would want to get uh, some of the, the best uh, Democratic witnesses uh, who were there while this was happening. As you just said, the likelihood of that is very, very poor or slim since it was a Republican administration during that time, during the period that supposedly all of this weaponization is taking place. So I don't know, maybe they're talking about career people in the ranks, but then at least find some credible Democrats within the ranks of career people where you claim the weaponization is 
and and roll them out for the first hearing. You know, if you really well, want to show it, you know. That point was brought up. Dan Goldman asked Jim Jordan this because apparently they've had tons of whistleblowers come to Jim Jordan and uh, Chuck Brassett. Yeah. And Dan where Goldman are they? Said, where are they? Or where are the transcripts? Yeah. And they apparently yeah. only have one. Yeah, so. it, 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 it's a load of crap. I mean, and, and, and it's obviously a load of crap. And the professionalism isn't there. And the, the gravitas, forgive me, isn't there. I mean, but you never had, you never, I've never seen gravitas in Washington in my life like what we saw during the January 6th committee uh, hearings and, and the level of professionalism that went into it and the pure production value. Um, it, there, there's, if, if, if you wanted to make an impact, you would have started off with that. You would have led with your strongest possible planted uh, witness, your whistleblowers, everybody. You don't just talk about them. You, you quote them. You put it up on the board. You say, here's what they said. You put their name under it. You do what the Democrats did. You outdo the Democrats. Nope. Race to the bottom, aiming only for the Kool-Aid drinking most uh, radical of radicals. And it's a shrinking Republican base base and this is what they're going for. And it's so obvious. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a bet with myself. I'm not sure how long this committee is going to even last. Uh, oh, no, it's going to last a while because it's, it's perfect for generating Fox News clips. Yeah, but because it's... Because I'm going uh, well, to tell you this. There is a good chance that at some point they have some combination of Charlie Kirk, Chai Rachik, who runs Libs of TikTok or um, Matt Walsh on this panel. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk about how they've been shadow banned based on the Twitter part. They may, they may even bring up Barry Weiss or Matt Saeed. Um, and it's going to turn into some type of weird anti-trans attack. Like, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but what, you, what, what, um, you, what they need if they're... Oh, they might bring in Mike Liddell, too. <laughs> yeah, but for credibility... You have to have someone within TikTok or within Twitter or someone, someone who was making well, decisions, did. you know. They, they had the former, they had one of the former executives, uh, Yal Roth. This is the guy that um, Elon Musk fired and then was like falsely smeared again. This is the second time he's done this um, as some type of pedophile enabler um, because he, he has put out this this idea to the right-wing uh, Elon Musk worshippers that uh, Twitter is no longer supporting child pornography except all the people in charge of making sure that doesn't happen no longer work at Twitter. <laughs> and there's no credible statistics in order to prove that to the point that Elon Musk accidentally asked people to send him on Twitter child pornography. <laughs> well, look, you, you know, again, the, 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 the Republicans made another huge error here. Uh, well, going, I'm, I'm going backwards. With the January 6th committee, they were too stupid to actually put rational people on the, the committee that could have sustained. They, naturally, you had to get rid of a, of a Ron Johnson. They knew he was a bomb thrower. So 
but they still have rational Democrats, very rational Democrats on this committee. I mean, if you watch Jamie Raskin yesterday, he was absolutely brilliant. Middle of cancer with his with a bandana on his head as he's losing his hair. The guy is just scoring point after point, just just ramming everything back down the Republicans' throats. If they attempted to come up with this BS argument about the pornography and everything, of course they're going to get the same pushback. So you're right. All that matters to them is that the, 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 the Looney Tune-generated clip that will go on Fox will, of course, have nothing of the response from a Jamie Raskin or anything that Jamie Raskin's going to say. But I think it's playing to a smaller and a smaller uh, group of, of, of uh, you know, Kool-Aid-sucking, red-meat-chomping adherents here. It, it's, it, you get that, at least I'm getting that feeling, or maybe I'm kidding myself. I don't know. How do you feel? Well, that, that's what it hopefully is. But, yeah, you know, they're yeah. still going to be, if they're able to tank the economy because of the debt ceiling for their unspecified list of demands that we're now a month in. We don't know what those demands are yet. No idea. Um, they don't know either. So, you know, it's just... Right. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Um, then people blame Joe Biden because that the American people are kind of idiots. Um, but well, there'll be there'll be those people who are going to blame Joe Biden or already blaming him. And it doesn't matter. The vast and also we can look at the legislation that they're passing. So yeah. far, their best legislation is yelling socialism bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Ah, uh, David. Ah, uh, David. We we live in interesting times, and we. Uh, we fortunately get a chance to talk about them. Um, yeah, there's a repetition in some of the stuff that you and I wind up talking about week to week, but, it, but it's congealing now, and there's fewer and fewer places for Republicans to get off the train to hell that they have constructed and the track that goes, that goes around the edge of the, of the vortex straight down to the bottom of a a singularity. This is where they're going. And if it becomes a race between the worst to the bottom, Trump will beat them all. And they're going in a direction, I think, the more I look at it, I didn't want to believe it at first, but they're basically negating themselves and almost forcing a Trump candidacy in 2024. We'll, we'll be talking more about that, I'm sure, in the weeks ahead. But, it, but it's, it's just absolutely insanity and uh, I kind of feel that Joe Biden has decided or has settled on, and he's always sort of been here, a, his, his strategy is to be rational. To whether you think I'm old, whether you think I'm, I'm, I'm doddering, whether you think, uh, uh, you know, I, I won't make it through to a second term or even running for it at this stage in the game. I am presenting rationality, and at least I'm giving reasonable lip service and proof of some form of of, of cooperative behavior and what it can produce. And by the way, here's a list of the things that I've accomplished in my first two years. That's a pretty reasonable comeback, and it seems to have been more than enough to basically uh, turn the tide in 2022. Uh, we should still have the House if it weren't for New York, uh, as, as I think we both agree at this stage in the game. But it doesn't bode well for the Republicans for 2024. And, uh, but they don't seem to be able to pull themselves out of this. I simply appreciate the fact that, uh, that you're able to add your insight to this on a weekly. Uh, uh, and where else can people find you, David? These days, uh, 
Spaces Ideas do on Twitter. Okay. Well, I, and I hope they continue to go check you out there. Uh, as always, I appreciate you being with us here on, on Friday at Central F Radio. And as always, um, while you're digesting uh, what you just heard, you might want to lay back and wash it down with a little more jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, the Republicans basically now have their weaponization of Congress and the Justice Department Committee. They are saying foolishness. People like Jamie Raskin are able to slap them down in a heartbeat. Everybody knows it. The only people getting any kind of a message that's still wacky are those who are watching Fox. They get their news bites. The only thing that really changes anything is the first indictment of Trump.